Welcome to Recipe Club, the podcast where we debate the best way to cook the things you want to eat. This is the show where you, the listener, sends in your treasured, beloved home recipes only for three of America's strangest food people to nice. cook them and then pervert them and do all kinds of crazy things to them using our proprietary Wheel of Death, which I don't have with me right now, but we'll figure that out later. Uh... Our special guest, oh, I should introduce myself. My name is Chris Ying. I co-host this podcast with Mr. David Chang. Hello. <laughs> That's Dave. <laughs> he has fulfilled his contractual obligations for this episode, <laughs> and <laughs> we can continue to uh, our I, special I, guest I, host. I'm just, you know... Just like trying to not be here because that's what people on Discord want. Uh -oh. <laughs> oh, no. no. Oh. Uh, the, we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. The third voice you just heard is from our special guest this week, none other than John DeBerry. Hello, JDB. Hi. We are gathered here today to talk about our theme ingredient for the week, which is coffee. Uh, <laughs> JDB. Did you select coffee in the draft early on, late on? What is your what is your general relationship to coffee? I love coffee. So I I, I drink cold brew every morning, two cups. That's it. That's your morning routine. Two that's cups it. of cold brew. Two cups of cold brew. Yeah. Because the machine is too much work. I can't deal with all that. <laughs> all right. So uh, we got to get this guy a commentary subscription. I, I know. I was just going to say, <laughs> uh, uh -oh. you're, you're a whole a whole world is going to be open to you. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Let's do a GRWM. Let's do a get ready with me with John DeBerry right now. Okay. What is, talk me through your actual morning coffee routine. Give us some color on the whole whole situation. Okay, this is a morning. In the well, morning, I John usually, DeBerry. I wake up without an alarm clock. Um, it's like my Kramer uh, superpower. So it's usually around 630 is when I have to get out of bed. Um, and I take up, I have this big, like oversized like Starbucks mug from like 1997 that has since been just totally clean of any markings. It's just like this white thing and the handle's almost falling off. And I put like, I fill it half, half with water, tap water, like cold tap water, put it in the microwave for 90 seconds and then add a quarter cup of the cold brew concentrate, which is something that I make basically like every week or every like six days. Um, I have like a coffee toddy where it's like you layer like water and like very, very roughly ground uh, coffee and you let it sit overnight and then you extract it and it's like this like very kind of thick um, coffee and I just do it twice and that's it. That's enough. I tried to quit coffee just to see what it was like and it really wasn't that fun and I don't think I drink too much coffee. So mm. I'm like really good with like my two cups of coffee every morning. Um, I love bitter drinks so that really helps and um, yeah, I'm also sensitive to caffeine. So if it's after like 3 p.m. I can't have it otherwise I'll turn into a, what is what do the gremlins do or what's the uh what's the thing where if you the, get them wet well they they're, they're mogwai first yeah they're mogwai first and then right. they, they get wet and they multiply and gremlins. then you feed them after midnight and they turn into gremlins yeah that's me if i have coffee uh, after 3 p.m <laughs> uh chang you are relatively new to coffee consumption um do you have a routine around coffee are you i mean you've you've said recently like 
since having kids, you have begun to drink coffee, but like, are you religious about it? Do you worship coffee? No. And you know, I, I, to be fair, I, I've definitely lobbed, uh, grenades at all the coffee nerds out there. I have to say that I'm just going to get this all off my chest. <laughs> I think the worst kind of food nerd in terms of the comic book guy from Simpsons, the worst version of this is the coffee nerd. Wow. Like, they are, I mean, then it's followed by the IPA nerds. Mm. It's pretty close. And the beer nerds are, you know, that's, that's, you know, it's, it's tough. It's, 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 it's tough to decide who's they're neck and neck for being, you know, some of the worst people out there. <laughs> and then I'd probably say it's the orange wine people easily. <laughs> okay. But the orange wine people are a different kind of nerd, right? Like the orange wine people are just like trying to listen to like a weird album of just noise and saying it's good. No, but they're the terrible. Coffee... They're terrible in their own ways. <laughs> I find the orange wine people tend to like the coffee nerds and the IPA people, at least they kind of have a sense. They know what they're talking about. Whereas I think orange wine people, if you tell them, like if you describe orange wine to them, they actually won't want it. They have to say, you have to hear the word orange wine. And then that's like the whole trick for them. Otherwise, like they're not really wine people. I I totally agree. I, you know what? Let's just typecast it even further. Let's distill this even more. Oh, let's, yeah, let's dig our heels into this a little deeper. Well, <laughs> I would say that the coffee nerds, Coffee nerds spend, a, a, you know, we, we don't need to with their like $80,000 with coffee stuff with just like one. They literally have a corner of the house that's like their own barrister chamber, you know. <laughs> um, they're also the kinds of people that really pride themselves on their taste. And they usually wear extremely stylish clothing, but they dressed very expensively. But you wouldn't know it. Right. They wear the most expensive clothes that look like normal clothes. Okay. Um, beer nerds are just, they, they don't, they're just like dudes, radicalized dudes for the most part. Excuse, mostly male. <laughs> right. They're average Joes that just followed the wrong Facebook. Yeah. And if group. they grew up in the 60s and 70s, they probably would have become comic book, you know, Comic Con nerds. But mm. in the modern era, it's transitioned to just being, you know, beer nerd. And they they all have their own uh, embarrassing beer handle on social media that they don't tell anybody. <laughs> um, like I got I, Mad Hops twenty seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all, all that. The problem, the the real problem with the orange wine, no sulfite nerds, is they they the people think that they are cool. Again, in the Hefeweizen principle. The reason why most people get stopped on the orange wine uh, landing spot is because they're accepted as the cool person in their group, right? Mm. That's how, mm. again, this is the person that started the Hefeweizen principle because they're the first person to drink a Hefeweizen. It's like a sociological principle that says that you can sort of track a person's social development across their life uh, by the alcoholic beverages they consume. And so it's named after the the Hefeweizen principle is named after the specific moment in a what what is it Chang like a recent college grad or a no, no 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 college? no it's the it's usually a nineteen year old yes like a sophomore freshman Gu- sophomore guy or college. girl it can be both but mostly a guy right 
more than more than often than like and they and they 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 read Esquire and GQ magazine and they're <laughs> religiously reading men's fitness and men's health but they always have to be at the vanguard amongst their group and the first thing they can be as at the vanguard socially is a drinking hefeweizen who's that guy over there with that tall glass <laughs> with that thin neck at what? the bottom that's just putting an orange in there why is there an orange in their beer yeah I mean, I've never seen a Corona glass like that. What is that that they're drinking? That's the Hefeweizen uh, principle. It's a road that leads most to a certain point where they discover your sort of no-sulfite, natural orange wines and become the sort of cool vanguard of their social group. And many, 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 many people get stuck at that stage of development just on the orange wine square. Many of my friends are in the James Murphy Room, <laughs> including James Murphy himself. <laughs> Along the way, there are many rooms and landing spots where you can just stay there mm. forever. But if you continue to progress in your drinking evolution, the last stage, really, again, achieving beverage nirvana in your drinking alcohol is when you get to a bar or a table with friends and you order a uh, bone dry martini gin martini you mean just like straight up chill <laughs> that's the gin. that's yeah yeah but they call it a martini but that's it there's no that's there's no that's as fast as the speed of sound that you cannot that's go the, faster than that that is there's no other way to go yeah yeah or the peak yeah, d- depending yeah. how you look <laughs> at it it's both at the same time <laughs> um back to my original question uh dave what is your coffee drinking situation like day to day? Um, does it matter? Because are you, you know, an everyday coffee drinker, or just when you yeah, need it? I drink comet. I drink comet here. Yeah. yeah. How about that's not a plug. That's just like you know. Do you drive a car? Yeah, I drive a car. That's like the same. Like I, I drink comet here. <laughs> that's what I do because you know why. I can have. I love flavor, and I, it's not to say that I don't love delicious things, particularly great coffee. But I, I'm just, as an endorsement, I refuse to go to the lengths and troubles to make an exquisite brew. And we're going to talk about that later with my mm-hmm. recipe. Um, but, what about, know. we were just talking about the bone dry martini. Mm-hmm. What about the very, very opposite of a bone dry martini? The an espresso martini. Espresso martini. Where do you, where do you land on the espresso mm-hmm. martini? I've actually, I haven't had one since like the revival. And I don't even know if I've had one like period. Um but, you know, I'm very much like, you know, my, the title of my first book was Drink What You Want. If it makes you happy, I don't think, I think that the word martini might be a misnomer because for me, I like to have like a specific kind of cocktail referred to as a martini, but that's not always true for everybody. So it's fine. I think um, they sell really well in restaurants. So good for restaurants for for making money off of this trend. And I'm okay with it. I would drink. I have a hot the, take on, the, so on it's, this. So they martini. call it a martini because it's in a martini glass. Usually, I guess it has so. like a little yeah, espresso kind of floating on it. Yeah. Can I just say I would actually I like I like drinking that drink known as the coffee espresso martini. If it weren't in a, in a martini glass, I would enjoy it a lot more. Well, I have to disagree with both of you. I'm a huge fan of the espresso martini. Huge fan of espresso. Huge martini. fan. Huge. Yeah. Can't endorse it. What's enough. your fit? What's your what's <laughs> what, what are you? What's your favorite like recipe? Where do you get it? You make it yourself. When was the last time I you can had tell you, one? 
I was at a wedding. Usually, espresso martinis come out uh, at a wedding uh, at night. Yeah, for whatever reason, that's a theme that I've seen. I can kind of see that. And my first espresso martini, you know who drinks it? Is one of the great drinkers of all time. Fergus Anderson at one of those late night clubs wow. uh, in London because everything closed, shut down early. And this is like many years ago. And, he, and I saw this this amazing man <laughs> drinking something that looked like this. And I was like, what is that? He's like, espresso martini. I'm like, wow. Yeah, give me one of those. <laughs> and I also started drinking it like this. And it like was out of awesome. a, like out of an espresso cup? And it allows you. No. A martini oh, but you glass. just did the pinky. Okay, got it. Okay. You need Pink, the pinky. Pinky's yeah, out. Of course. Pinky's yeah. out. And I love it. And it's basically, what is the booze? I don't even know what goes in an espresso martini. Is it Sambuca? Well, uh, no, that's more of an anise flavor, it, I don't which would it's... be good, actually. But it's usually like it's either a coffee liqueur or it's just vodka. This is like great. And vodka, right? And vodka. I would do it with gin. That sounds fun. It's like a frappuccino exactly. in a martini glass with booze. What's not exactly. to lie? <laughs> I guess I would just like it in a rocks glass or something, but fine. Fine, I guess the the tall stem. Is- hey, Chris, I used to be one of you, like you as well, ashamed of a martini yeah. glass. I'm not, I'm not afraid of that anymore. I mean, that's no joke. There is a certain level of just embarrassment and shame that I am trying to overcome with the martini glass. It yeah. sounds like you've reached that enlightenment. Zero, zero. <laughs> it's exposure therapy. You do it enough glass. times, and then you're just you're good. Uh, Chang, what about cooking with coffee? Love cooking with coffee. Um, I started doing it with instant coffee for a long time. I love instant coffee as they, for the bitterness. And the first time I came across a coffee in a dish was at a um, a diner in Richmond, Virginia, where they served me ham steak with a red eye mm-hmm. gravy, which is basically just coffee with like Tabasco sauce in it, uh, and it's delicious. The saltiness, the spice. So that was the, it was like a ham steak. So when we started doing the Dave Arnold, uh, like sort of helped curate the original Sambar ham program, country ham program, I made a, basically a red eye gravy, but instead of it being a roux based gravy, I made it an aioli effectively with a, a slow poached egg. Um, and it's delicious with instant coffee because yeah. you don't want to add extra, you know, H2O to a dish. So instant coffee is an amazing flavor. Um, I will say, you know what I'm a big fan of as a side note, Japanese and Korean canned coffee which was also something we served at sambar that was our coffee yeah. program that must have been before me. so people are like can i get a cup of coffee it's like yeah you don't remember like the UCC. oh man yeah we, it was dr pepper and yeah, yeah. boss and be like because and it's yeah. awesome and it's delicious so um i love coffee i do love everything about it and i love that it gives me power <laughs> and energy um yeah it's great what, what's not to like it about a stimulant i'm pro stimulants all day long uh, I agree. And like, I, I, I think that um, my morning coffee routine for years and years has been that morning is all day long and I'll drink coffee from 6 a.m. Yeah, till 6 I, p.m. Yeah. Chris, Chris just litters uh, with all these plastic Ooh. cups, though. I see a little coffee. Uh, so Dave has shamed me into, thank God this is happening. I have now my non-disposable cup with me that I've been drinking my coffee from, Dave. But in his, you, in, in, in fairness, he called me off for leaving my plastic coffee cups everywhere. And then I did start to notice that I, I leave like 85 cups a day just sitting around everywhere I go. And I, I took a photo of everyone and, and texted them to Greta. <laughs> I did see you leave a, a uh, maca something, mocha, whatever on my desk the other day, but I think it was revenge. Um, I, yeah, I just wanted to double, or to, to double down on that red-eye gravy. I think it, like 
it is such a hilariously and amazing romantic image of like the idea with red eye gravy is a pan fry a ham steak for you in a cast iron pan put it on the plate and then oh what's the gravy going to be and you just can imagine just some grizzled short order genius cook being like you want gravy and then just pouring pouring but, the but, coffee he's drinking into the into the pan letting it emulsify with the fat and the drippings <laughs> and then pouring that yeah that's what it is that's all yeah, red eye gravy but let's talk about all the ways coffee that we are we know of in, in in savor foods besides ice cream besides any sweet or baked application besides cake any of those things yeah, in savory, I think it's a little bit more limited to say, like, a, for whatever reason, like a brisket yeah. rub, but like coffee mm-hmm. grounds to some degree. Um, Peter Serpico, the great chef, Peter Serpico, did an espresso ground uh, with venison and huckleberries in like one of the second menus of Co. And I thought it was genius and brilliant. And again, shows you the mind of Peter. It was awesome. But uh, as coffee as an element, it's not something you yeah. see too often outside of, say, maybe like something that's in the, like the Southwest uh, of America. But I, I do know that it has been in things like mole, right? And, and, and it is in savory applications. It's just not something I'm very familiar with until yeah. today. Yeah, I think that there's a, there's like a Singaporean like coffee spare ribs thing that, you know, is, is, is popular there. But yeah, I think it's pretty limited. And I think it's interesting because all of those dessert applications play on the fact that coffee drinkers generally the the broader group of coffee drinkers want cream like a fat richness and sugar to sort of temper coffee right and so like that is how people are are used to this flavor and so there's an expectation from a lot of people that when you're going to have coffee it's going to be sweet and rich and creamy and even in the savory applications i think like that fat and that richness comes into play too, right? Like you do like Dave, like the, the aioli, the coffee aioli is like delicious. Right. It's got fat to it. And, oh, and I mean, coffee aioli sounds so bad. That's why you just call it red. eye. Well, I don't want to make it sound bad because like, the other thing I did want to say was you just brought me back <laughs> so viscerally to that plate of, of country ham with the, the red eye gravy and the, and that baguette was yeah, so man. unbelievably so delicious. Sambar. Uh, so good. But I, I think it's important to note that when people think about coffee, that they could potentially just sort of write it off as a gimmick or a fad. I don't think you're going for the coffee flavor in a lot of dishes, right? With the exception of say red eye gravy, but even red eye gravy itself, what I, what I appreciate about what coffee is, whether it's a really bad cup of coffee, like it doesn't matter. In fact, I would almost prefer a really shitty coffee that's dark roasted and overbrewed because what I want is not necessarily coffee flavor. I want that n- actual nuance of yeah. bitterness, and bitterness is a, a flavor component that is, I, I would say, for most chefs, not utilized enough, right? So when, say, you say a char on a steak or something that is a little bit um, brulee, you know, that, that, that moment where you have that, that flavor that's really hard to sort of pinpoint because it tastes a little bit mm-hmm. burnt, in that universe is also mm. bitterness. And you can get that from other extracts and other vegetables, right? Bitterness is an actual thing. Um, but when you pair that with other flavors, it's no different than adding a little bit of acid from Mm. a lemon into a sauce, because I've always thought that it's not something you should necessarily taste outright, but when you taste it as a whole, it really does act as like a bass note, a bass player in a band. It just sort of 
ties it I mean, all the together. Same with cocktails. So yeah, yeah you can th- yes, you can taste it, but it's not something that's overwhelming. And to your point, like the instant coffee gr- grounds are like exactly the right thing. There's you're not adding any, introducing any liquid in a lot of these situations. You're just adding that like little it's like bitter salt basically. Which is why I think it it's a misunderstanding because most people assume that coffee flavor is something that you should get from say a dessert, right? When you have coffee ice cream, it literally tastes like coffee ice cream it's like so pronounced and sweet and that's what it is and it's delicious but i i, I feel in savory notes it's not something you're ever going to mm. taste because it's rarely do you eat coffee with the, the, that amount of texture and salt and fat that you might get in a savory dish and i think it's an amazing element highly underutilized so i'm pro cooking with coffee um, and it doesn't always have to be caffeinated like if you don't want to add caffeine uh, and you don't want stimulants in your life that's your loss but you can definitely <laughs> add that it just has a, a a distinct level of bitterness that bitter flavor that is not pronounced and i love it uh all right so we received a fair number of recipes involving coffee from you all we narrowed it down to these five that john DeBerry received and chose from or maybe we we strong-armed him into last time so we had tiramisu two ways from sarah elzy short ribs with chili and coffee by jill spinak Savory Coffee Mole from Juan Francisco. Coffee Lover's Dream Coffee Loaf Cake by Mary Bennett. I, I regret we didn't pick that. Night Before No Bake Biscuit Cake and No Churn Ice Cream All Caps by Claire Ellis. Uh, JDB, where did, we, where did we go and why did we go there? I wanted to do savory, I think, for the same reasons that Dave was just talking about because it's just such a underutilized component in savory dishes so i think it was for me it was between the the ribs and the mole and i had never made a mole before so that was kind of the the tiebreaker um and it just looked like a really cool complicated recipe um yep so, so we went like, with we went with juan francisco's coffee savory coffee mole and in fact uh, this is a recipe of Juan's own creation. He says he was listening to the podcast and heard Dave mention this idea. I think in the very, very first draft episode, Dave, you had thrown out that there's got to be some coffee mole recipes out there. He looked up a few, didn't like them that much, so came up with his own recipe for coffee mole. He says it draws a lot of inspiration from mole negro, since that is his family's favorite mole. Um, well, my name is Juan, uh, Juan Francisco. I grew up originally. I'm from I'm from Texas, El Paso, Texas. I grew up in Mexico for a bit as well. My absolute favorite thing meal was always like my grandmother's mole. She visited us for my birthday. She would ask me what I would want, and it was always mole. Um, she did a style that's more like um, mole poblano, um, which is you know the mole is typical like the uh, more common found mole that's uh, from Puebla. I pretty much like have traveled all over the world. I mean, I've been all, all over Europe, over Central Asia and just different regions. And every time I do, I get to experience new and just completely different dishes. The one that I really, really stuck with me is like mole negro de Oaxaca. It's their specialty mole is there if we're using like actually burnt chilies and a bunch of other stuff. I kind of just started, you know, making it. I uh, started goofing around and trying to find out what I can do. The first batch I did, I tried to use my mocha pot uh, and actually brew some like espresso, actually use it, use that for it, but it didn't quite actually get enough flavor for it. So what I ended up doing is um, actually incorporating a coarse ground coffee into it that I could actually 
to cook in it so it would steep and then I would use uh, then I would have to like strain it the only thing is that if they ended up giving up it a gritty texture so what I'm doing now is when I use the recipe I, I, I actually use cold brew usually when you do this that whenever you make something like this people tell you not to actually uh, like uh, scorch the chilies because if they char they tend to get bitter but you actually want these to actually toast and then once you actually grind everything and actually cook it as you're cooking it through it'll end up that bitterness will start fading away into more a savoriness this is a, should be actually fairly simple because you can do most of it in a slow cooker i mean if you're going to go lux you could go with some like yemeni's coffee because Yemeni's coffee is probably the most expensive coffee on the market right now. Instead of actually having chicken, you go with duck or you can go with some pheasant. You know, the Jamaican jerk is like what uh, the jerk sauce is what a lot of like clove, a lot of uh, vinegar, scotch bonnets and some uh, peppers like that. So in adding those peppers and a couple of, you know, that to the mole would actually be interesting. Basically, what you have here, you fry up a plantain that you've sliced into strips, um, set that aside, then you fry a whole variety of chilies, um, puree, everything together with some nuts and seeds and cloves and allspice, some onion, uh, some powdered chocolate, some dried cherries and dried apricots, a few dried Mexican herbs, hoja santa and episote, and a dozen Maria cookies act as sort of the thickening bready cookie starchy component um you push that all together through a, a sieve and you basically cook this down into a mole so it is oh and the coffee of course the coffee four cups of coffee is the liquid component of this whole mole i think it's basically the only liquid in the whole mole so it's all all of that good chili and spice and chocolate goodness gets simmered in four cups of very strong coffee. So that is how Juan Francisco made the recipe. That's how he sent it in. That's the original version. Um, you'll see us making that in the video on YouTube eventually. But as always here on Recipe Club, we are never, ever satisfied with anything. <laughs> so we left our fates to the wheel of death to assign us three constraints under which we had to cook this recipe in our uh, respective homes. Dave, in your absence, you landed on handmade. So we assigned Dave the task of making this mole, but also roasting his own coffee beans from green coffee beans to make his mole. So we'll hear about how that went. JDB, you got, uh, I think, two restrictions. You landed on double taxation. And we yep. assigned you the tasks of making this luxe, so spending over $150 mm -hmm. on it, and fusing it with the flavors and cuisine of Jamaica. Um, and I landed on slow cooker, which is becoming a real theme for me in this season of Recipe Club. So I had to make this recipe using no other cooking implements other than a slow cooker. So... Um, Let's talk about what we did. I think that, um, honestly, mine is the most straightforward. So let me just go first and talk about that. Yeah. So for all intents and purposes, a mole to me represents, you know, classically a lot of time, effort, uh, <laughs> care, and knowledge. Um, and frankly, a lot of that, except for the time part, is the opposite of what a slow cooker is about. <laughs> it's just 
just about like, I don't care, throw it in the pot and let's see what happens. So I try to be, I try to basically do this as straightforward as possible, be as reductive as possible, just to see what happens if you cut out all of these sort of <laughs> care technique frying, toasting, all of that out of the equation. Because a slow cooker, frankly, slow cookers don't get hot enough to fry in. And even if you can heat the oil up to a point where you're going to fry, as soon as you introduce food, it's just going to drop the temperature. They're meant to maintain a, a low temp. So there's a world in which I could have just sort of confit all of these chilies for days and days and days or whatever, and then made the whole thing, but I didn't. I basically threw everything into a blender. Um, I, I rehydrated all the chilies in coffee to soften them up, then basically blended everything together and put it in the slow cooker and left it in there for six and a half hours while I went to go visit my parents. Um, I came back and I will say the slow cooker was very effective <laughs> at simmering this thing. And I, I could see how it could be useful in developing flavor and cooking this thing very, very low and slow and developing some Maillard and, and reducing it and all of that stuff. Over time, it could be very cool. But I think there is, first of all, I, I had to introduce a little more sugar to mine and, some, and, and quite a bit of salt. Uh, but I think there's so much that gets lost when you don't fry and toast all those chilies. And there's three or four different places in this recipe where you're sort of introducing fat to the equation. You're frying in fat at numerous stages. And that fat, I think, is carrying a lot of that flavor, adding a ton of richness to the sauce. And given that I didn't do any of that, I added some fat to the pot just to have it in there. Um, but skipping all of that, did I make a mole? Yes. Did it taste like a Mexican grandmother made it? Absolutely not. <laughs> do I think like <laughs> if you were in a pinch, if you were in a dorm room or you were just living somewhere where you were truly desperate for mole and all you had was access to a slow cooker and you know an electrical appliance, could you make it this way? Yes, it might scratch the itch, but I think that, you know, for me, you know, mine was just missing. Well, how, did, how did she, I missed it because I totally spaced. Did you puree it? Yeah. Is that one pot? It's, it's, it's I didn't use it. I didn't cook anything else other than the, the slow cooker. Mm, I don't think so. I think that you could have hand mashed it. You could have even used an immersion blender. But I believe Wait, an immersion is, blender would have been okay? Um, yeah, God, but I don't even have an immersion blender. Otherwise I would have oh, immersion blended it. Well, you don't have, that means you go get and find and, um, <laughs> that's okay. Whatever. There's really no substitute for that fat and that toasting and that frying part of the equation. It just didn't, it tasted like it was missing. And in fact, I tasted Dave's the next day and I'm already, I'm already conceding the fact that this was like a lesser mole. I do think you could have fried it at a low temperature, like on a low temperature. Cause I was going high heat on my crock pot. I think, you mean on the stovetop? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I, yeah, I think that I probably would have put on like a four or five setting so it gets to like, I don't know, 200 Celsius, you know, 190 Celsius, just enough to like do it. So for all of those people that are in dorm rooms and Chris said that it's just not possible – I think that maybe if you had a hot plate, it might work as well. So don't give up hope, people, if you're in that situation. I believe in you. First of all, I didn't say it doesn't work if you're in a dorm room. I said it will work if you're in a dorm room. Second of all, I watched Dave shatter a crock pot on the stove, which is why I refuse <laughs> to do this in my own home. So let that just be said. Well, the difference between Chris is I'm going to continue to try it and try it until it works. <laughs> um, 
I believe this is much more of a, a Mole Negro from Oaxaca than it is anything else. And I know that he said it was inspired as much. I think the only difference from a Mole Negro is that it doesn't have avocado leaves. Uh, maybe it does. I just don't know the, mm. the translation. I didn't even look into it. I think it does. It does have avocado leaves in it. I take that back. Uh, but it, 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 I think the amount of chocolate is less. And some of the nuts might be similar. But um, I actually can't understand why it wasn't more black. Because Mola Negro gets pretty black. Uh, hence the name. But I, I thought it was delicious. Uh, I'll just you know reverse do the order here. I thought it was really tasty. Um, I didn't cook it exactly the way he suggested, but all the steps still happened. Um, I think the one thing that is not in the recipe that has to be said is if you are going to make this, you need to deseed the chilies as best you can. All right. That's super important. Um, Why? I think that it adds maybe flavors that you don't want. I've always been told my friends, not always, but like, listen, I'm the furthest thing from an expert on any kinds of foods from Mexico, but I felt that the seeds were always something you tried to remove and the stem, just like marijuana, right? You don't want to smoke. Yeah. Everything's the same as smoking a big bong hit. You don't want the seeds and you don't no want idea what you're talking about. There, right. No idea. <laughs> Take your word for it. Um, so all of it was the same. Um, I do think that it makes a healthy amount. Um, I added a little more water. I, I would have liked to have had, I think this comes out vegan for the most part, but I, I think that, uh, or vegetarian because that is dairy from the milk chocolate, the powdered milk chocolate. Uh, I think I would have liked to have had chicken or pork stock uh, in this as well. But, um, you know, it, it, it was good. The cookies, you know, so it, it's, it's, again, I made mole a handful of times. I thought this was really good. And I, I laughed at, you know, the, the, that like it tasted pretty good. Um, <laughs> it tasted really good. No, I laughed. Pretty good. The Making the coffee bit, um, if people watch, they're going to say, of course you suck at this because you make fun of people that, you know, roast their own coffee beans. So why would you be good at this? And you're right. I, 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 I laughed because... In no point in my life will I ever roast coffee beans ever again. You know why? I also don't fly a commercial airplane. Um, I don't. I, I don't sew my own clothes. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't uh, refine gasoline. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of things I don't do in life. And uh, roasting coffee beans is right up there as things that I'm never going to do. So I'm glad that I did it. I can put that – I'm not going to say on a checklist because it's never going to be on a checklist in my life. But I did it. And uh, I definitely don't think it's 15 minutes of roast time. Um, I will say working with Cometeer, having to taste the difference in quality of beans, um, whether they have the shells, they don't have the shells, it's geisha, whatever, whatever. It's like there's all of these terms that all are important. Uh, and I found that I'm much more of a light roast kind of person and dark roast is really um, something that has plagued America because it's the reason why you need sugar and uh, cream because it's the only way that will taste good because it's just so monotone in flavor. Um, so I, I did it sort of in between. Uh, I think that if you're going to make this, you want the strongest blend possible. So uh, mine was sort of like 
in between light and medium. I put it in a pan and because uh, I had no interest in reserving any green beans for future roasting of beans, I I took my beans to the in the pan to the meniscus, which is clearly a mistake on my end. Because uh, the way he, <laughs> way heat works in an oven, it's hard. It's hard to get it in a flat. So if I just did one sheet of beans, I think it would have been fifteen minutes. But it's not my fault because the recipe didn't uh, instruct as much. It just said, you know, put it in there. So I put it a lot of in there, and it didn't take fifteen minutes. Uh, and I kept that. Out of the, it, it took me almost uh, seventy five minutes to get the color as desired. Did you just leave them, or did you agitate them? Did you just stir them? I was around constantly agitating them. And I was mad that <laughs> just I emotionally though. Ultim- just ultimately, I was it. mad that I didn't like use common sense because it would have done done faster. And and I was really disappointed in myself because I tried to pride myself on being you know cooking minimalist in terms of any effort whatsoever. And I had to put way more effort into this because I I just didn't do it right to begin with. Um, if you see the video, which we'll post, you'll see that I blended. I I didn't have we here at the studio. We have no coffee brewing. We just have like a hundred boxes of cometeer. Hmm. Um, so I took it in a Nutribullet. I blended it. Um, didn't work that well because um, I couldn't get it finer than, say, uh, granola, a lot of the <laughs> coffee beans. Good God. Good God. And uh, I didn't have a filter, um, paper or otherwise, to do it. So I put it in a double sieve, double mesh sieve, so two. And uh, I, I, But I did do the water properly i got it to the exact temperature that is you know uh, like 208 degrees or whatever and i i poured it like i was doing a coffee making video you know it was really delicate yeah yeah i was really like but what, what's so funny about it was like when you look at the grounds you're like what is that mulch what what what, what, what yeah what what is that um and i tasted it and i was like eh. Uh, yeah, this is actually really. I want to say it wasn't so bad. No, it was really bad. It was not good <laughs> whatsoever. It was not good. Um, so I decided not to have a second taste of that coffee. Um, I'd also say you definitely don't want to use my method for straining the coffee because a lot of the particulates from my mulch grind uh, got through, and that wasn't nice. And I would also say that when I added the four cups into the mole, um, I didn't taste enough. So what I did do is I put a cup of uh, a canister of cometeer in there. And I followed that as inspired by the recipe because the recipe does suggest to add, you know, coffee to, to it. You know, not even coffee. Is it, was it extract to some degree or something like that? Yeah, so I, I decided to put cometeer in there. Um, then what I did to deviate is um, I had no interest in cooking this recipe at the desired two-hour reduction time as you're stirring and stirring. Because when you get to this viscosity of a sauce, that's a, that's a dangerous proposition. Um, because two things that can happen. One, you're going to have a volcanic-like explosion if the heat is too high and it's going to get everywhere in your kitchen. Uh, two... Because you also need to do it with the lid off for the most part because you're trying to uh, reduce it to some degree. You're also trying to do a slow cook. Uh, If I had a slow cooker, I probably would have done that. That's when I think it would have been a good thing to do is just reduce it over time because a lot of moles are just take like three days or something like that. That's not hyperbole. Um, So I put it in any day 
and I also put a lid on it because if I didn't put the lid on it, it was going to explode. So I did one of the just enough where the moisture would escape from the lid. And I did it for 10 minutes. I thought it was going to take 20 minutes. I did it for 10 minutes. And guess what? Uh, the recipe said to cook it down until it was a darker color. This turned into a very dark color. And it did reduce. And I thought it was fucking delicious. I did add more salt. I added a little MSG and uh, a, a little bit more water uh, before, uh, not coffee. So I probably did five cups of actual H2O. Um, Chris, I gave it to Chris to leave because I had to leave for another meeting. And I got to say, it was extremely delicious. I liked it very much. I did stick my nose into your your roasted coffee beans expecting to like be you know, flooded with the delightful aroma of roasty, toasty coffee. And I was like, not there. Yeah, I don't think I did it right. No, 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 no. <laughs> like, I, I literally was like, oh, man, like, some are dark, some are not. It's very, uh, nothing is uniform. It's like what you would want, you know, theoretically, you know, how would you want diversity in America? It was like all colors, <laughs> shapes and sizes of beans. Um, it, it wasn't, you know. It was not uniform. There, they had no uniformity to it. There was no um, sameness at all. And uh, I got to say, it didn't smell good either. <laughs> so I took a very simple task and I made it – I fucked it up. <laughs> and that's why, again, <laughs> no one should ever roast coffee beans at home. And I cannot wait for the haters to be like, oh, you're going to do it this way. Oh, you should have do it this way. Oh, it's so easy. I hope to never meet an individual that roasts coffee beans at home. I hope to never meet you in my life. <laughs> uh, JDB, how did you how did you luxify and inject some Jamaican flavor into this recipe? So I don't know if where the stores, you know, how how they price things at you know over in LA, but I basically bought all the ingredients for this, and it ended up being like ninety dollars anyway. So I didn't have that far to go in terms of uh like luxifying it but like you know that would be boring so i i actually did some research into like the most expense i actually tried to find the most expensive coffee shop in new york city so i could like find like go and get like to go coffee and use that as the ingredient but that really wasn't coming up with anything so i looked for like you know coffee you know whole bean or whatever coffee and the number one most expensive kind of coffee is the civet cat coffee that's like the cats, they like eat it and then they poop it out and then they harvest it. But then I also did some research into that. And apparently they're, they're kept in very inhumane conditions. Um, so it's like not good to do. <laughs> they're like, please don't buy civet cat coffee. It's like really bad. So the next most expensive coffee that I was able to find is from Thailand. And it was it's refined by elephants. So it's called Black Ivory Coffee. And I got a little package so this is also of, coffee that an animal has eaten and pooped out. Okay. Yes. Yes. This is this, this is elephant um, poop coffee. Uh, el- elephant poop coffee. What is yeah. the black? I've ivory. never. I've. I've no. I'm aware of the civet cat coffee and the elephant coffee. What do uh, the poo poo coffee f- fanatics say is happening to the coffee that makes it better once it's been digested and pooped out? Right, because when you harvest coffee, it's basically like there's a bear, there's like a fruit around it, and then there's some sort of like not like um uh microbial fermentation but like a like a like an mm-hmm. enzymatic like fermentation that happens where the, they like remove the the cherry um, the fruit and that kind of yeah, the cherry exactly and that kind of and that's like a, either by hand or my machine and that's sort of like part of the process of making the coffee and 
the the animal processing removes that outer layer. So basically it's like the way nature intended fruit to be, where it's like the animal eats the fruit, gets the nutrition, and then leaves the seed behind is basically we're taking advantage of that process. And apparently because of the digestive enzymes or whatever happens, it's supposed to be this like super smooth, like super amazing, like really complex, like very rare cup of coffee. And this company says that they actually don't really sell all that much to like public to the public for obvious reasons. And it mostly goes to like you know, the Four Seasons and the Maldives and stuff like that. So this is 35 grams of coffee that I got for $150. (laughs) Between this and your fucking glacial ice cubes, man, this is the end of Recipe Club. (laughs) I mean, I had to get up to $150. You got there. Um, So I I, I got there. And um, I followed the recipe for the mole uh, basically to the letter um and uh i did what i was you know freaked out by the the at re-adding the more coffee at the end of it so what i did is i cold brew i just ground all the coffee uh threw it in with four cups of water and cold brewed it overnight in um in the refrigerator and then just dumped the whole thing into the into the pan when i was just preparing everything um i actually did try to use an immersion blender for this and i like ruined my entire life like it just sprayed hot like chili paste all over my mm-hmm. kitchen mm-hmm. <laughs> and there, you will there's a video of that so it's actually pretty funny um i found myself ha- having to add a, a bit more water in order to just get it through the the sieve but um yeah it was i just i took the the standard mole recipe and what i wanted to do i wanted to find uh, a jamaica because it's like this is just mole it's like a you know it's a condiment essentially so it's like what are you going to serve it with and for me um i was looking through various jamaican like traditional Jamaican recipes and uh, the uh, the Jamaican beef patty caught my eye, um, and I was watching a bunch of YouTube videos about how to make these patties. And in uh, the in one of the prep type in the prep for the meat, you basically like wrote, you, you're like you're sauteing the the ground beef, and then you add a bunch of seasonings, and then you also add something called a panade, which is basically like water and bread that you blend together into this like saucy thing. So I looked at the mole recipe and I was like, the Maria cookies are basically the panade. So that's sort of added like the fusion element to it. So there's this panade, like bready, saucy bit. And I just threw in the mole mm-hmm. with it and then just built um, these patties. I had to go find like beef tallow. It took me forever to find because beef tallow has the right consistency at room temperature. Um, you know, rolled it out and um, yeah, I made these little beef patties. I think I, I probably made the the dough too thick because it was very like a lot of very thick dough, but it was really delicious. And I actually, similar to the watermelon episode, I also did a uh, a little spreadsheet. <laughs> so <laughs> wait, so did so. you? So to, just to be clear, did you stuff you stuff the patties with like beef and mole? Is that what you're saying? The Jamaican beef? Okay. Yeah, I basically like I took I took a, a Jamaican patty recipe, and rather than all the seasonings that they include, which is like onions and scallions and much other stuff, I just used the mole as like the seasoning and the panade, since it kind of satisfied both of those things. So it was just straight up ground beef thrown in, cooked together, and then you know made into little these little patties, and you just bake those for for like a half hour, and they were they were great. And so. I costed out the the mole recipe if you just to make it um, using this you know the the fancy coffee it was about one hundred and eighty seven dollars um, for one point five kilos worth worth of mole it's a big yeah. recipe and how much is a single Jamaican then, beef patty stuffed with JDB's elephant shit yeah, mole <laughs> a single Jamaican beef patty <laughs> it's in food costs it's eight dollars and sixty three cents uh-huh. per patty 
which if I was running a restaurant would be about 30 bucks. <laughs> so, and I made four of them. So, yeah. Wait, and so you, you, you produced four and like, what would you estimate your sort of, well, because of the the dough the dough recipe only gave me sure. four patties. I have tons of the beef mole mixture. What do you estimate over. your your labor uh, labor cost at? Let's say let's say at twenty dollars oh an hour, JDB. What do you estimate your labor? Twenty dollars and twenty dollars I mean, an hour. Just... It's more like two hundred fifty dollars an hour. <laughs> what sure. do we estimate your two hundred fifty dollars? I mean, if I was if I had to hire someone to do this for twenty dollars an hour labor cost, I mean, it took a long ass time, like. I did. I did reduce it for two hours. I did have it covered because that's what the recipe said. But it definitely you need you need to let off the steam. I actually just like whisked it to add to like make sure more more water got lost. But it definitely turned a nice dark uh-huh. color. Um, but this represents like eight hours of work. So at least, yeah. With plus shopping, you know. So I'm gonna like, do some back yeah. of the napkin math here, and I'm gonna say that a single Jamaican <laughs> elephant shit mole beef patty at JDB's house of. <laughs> Jamaican mole <laughs> at, Sh- Sh- at, Sh- at Shady V's is a uh, is sixty five dollars <laughs> for a single beef patty. Okay, yeah. Honestly, worth it. A beef patty <laughs> should probably be a great beef patty. It's a lot of work, man, and it should really be thirty to forty dollars. I agree. Like. I agree. Um, <laughs> okay, so those are the. <laughs> JDB, I can't believe last time you found an ice cube made out of a glacier, and this time you found a fucking <laughs> coffee that came out of an elephant's bum. Uh, that is that is the most expensive coffee in the world, though. Just people need to know. Absolutely incredible. It's uh, okay. So those there you have it. Three different variations on Juan Francisco's original savory coffee mole recipe. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I will say just this base recipe, whatever you want to do to it, whether you want to use elephant coffee or make it in a dorm room or roast your own coffee beans, I think like this is a very good springboard for really for uh, for experimentation and, and just making this straight up. So good good uh, recipe, Juan. Good one. Good, good job. Good job. Good That's job. right up there in the top 10 recipes ever made, I think, in recipe. Oh, shit. Crack the top Ooh. 10. Well, let's uh, be honest. It's not that hard to make. JDB, this is your last episode, your last theme episode of the season. I think you, you we may see some more JDB before the finale with some guest uh, spots, but I think this was your last theme ingredient. So a lot yeah. riding on the line here because no wheel, no of, wheel death of death, because right now the standings have it. John DeBerry in first place with 9.33 points. Priya in second with 9.25 average points per episode. Dave in third with 9.06. Brian and Rachel at a tie for fourth with 9.00. And Chris in the cellar with Mm. 8.79 points. Uh, We only have one producer in the booth today. That's Gabby. Gabby's going to tabulate her scores that she's been meticulously keeping um, and give me a first, second, and third place winner. Uh, before she does that, I'm going to remind you all that the Major Domo Media YouTube page is alive and kicking, and you should check it out if you've been wondering where all the footage is from this season's cooking. It's starting to pop up over there, along with what was a very popular video. Mr. Chang freestyling a beer can chicken was uh, amazing and hilarious. We're planning all sorts of other crazy things. We're doing all sorts of stuff. I'll go ahead. Fuck it. I'll go ahead and tell you guys. Last week, Dave and I made a chicken pot pie from scratch including the crusts and everything with nothing started 
in 45 minutes, <laughs> start to finish, nice. homemade crust, baked, blind baked, baked, and nice. done in 45 minutes. We're going to try to do stuff like that, just uncut cooking. I, that was the only day that I've been sweatier than I am today. Um, also, check have out you, the- John, have you noticed just the sweat just getting larger on him? At first, I thought it was a shadow. He's yeah, so I thought shiny. it was a shadow on his shirt. No, 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 that's a shadow. That's a shadow. Mike. That's a shadow. But uh, down below here, whoo, <laughs> it's NSW down there, guys. It is wet and wild <laughs> down below this table. Uh, Gabby, give us the first, second, and third place for the week. So, in third place today, unfortunately, we do have. Chris, because of the blender. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, it's unfortunate. What happens? Can it still be qualified? Can you still call something unfortunate if it is the norm? Oh, unfortunately, the sky is blue today. <laughs> in second place, we have Dave. Uh, and in first place today, it's JDB. Congratulations, John DeBerry. Thanks, Gabby. Uh, um, another victory, which Gabby has updated the scores, I believe. Yes. Uh, to reflect these most rec- this most recent outcome, um, which lo- stays exactly the same, except that John DeBerry has further secured his lead with a <laughs> season average of 943 which I mean, let's just give him the Constructor Cup trophy now. You are Max Verstappen, and you won. <laughs> Where everyone else is just battling for second place. I mean, I'm not. I'm in a Williams over here. Am, just am trying I, to get, am I the, trying to get some points. No, no, no. You're Max Verstappen. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris, I don't know what that is. You're Darth he, that's Vader. The, that's, that? He's currently the greatest F1 racer, race car driver, and Chris oh, Yang cool. is okay. the American counterpart, Logan Sargent. Who have been trashing for no good reason. <laughs> just, I'm just trying to finish the race, guys. Yeah. Again, <laughs> again, John, John DeBerry. Do you know what uh, the three of us have in common with Logan Sargent, the the racer with Williams? We're in the same place as he is. <laughs> we have the same Dead number last. of points in, in Formula One as he does this season. So. Zero. <laughs> That's where I am. Yeah, I'm losing F1 right now. <laughs> uh, all right. I know Dave's got to get out of here. Oh, we are going to have JD back. You're back for the instant potato recipe, I believe, in just a, a few, yeah. a week or two's time. So a chance to drop your score down. There's still time for Dave, Priya, Brian, and Rachel to overtake John. Listen, they, it's just a battle for second place. If they turn uh, on folks. their... DRS. Uh, <laughs> but thank you all, as always, for joining us, for listening, for giving us five stars, which I know you're all about to do as soon as you finish listening to this episode. Thank you to Juan for sending the recipe. Thank you to our friend Arthur Carletwa for sending us some green coffee beans to mess around with. Thank uh, you, Arthur. That was very sweet of you. And uh, we'll and talk to you all. Thank you for all the hate mail. Keep it coming. <laughs> Gives me power. I feed off your negativity. <laughs> Please keep sending your letters to Darth Sidious here, who's just gaining more and more power with each passing comment on Discord. We'll talk to you all very soon.